Hello and welcome to the Labor of Love podcast. I'm Nari Baker. I'm a Korean adoptee and a mother based on Coast Salish land, otherwise known as the Seattle area. And I'm Robin Park, a Korean adoptee and a therapist living on Tongva, Chumash, and Keech land, otherwise known as the Los Angeles area. Today, we're very excited to be here with Jenna Corvo. She is a 39-year-old Colombian transracial adoptee who was raised in Connecticut. She and her partner, Tucker, have three children, an eight-year-old, five-year-old, and a two-year-old toddler. In addition to being a parent, she has worked over 15 years with children and families. Her work spans preschool teaching, work in the foster care system, practicing synergetic play therapy and parent coaching and working with Adoption Mosaic in Portland, Oregon. She practices gentle brain and body-based parenting. Currently, she can be found de-schooling and secular home educating with her family. Recently, I had the great pleasure of participating alongside her on Adoption Mosaic's We Are the Expert Adoptee Speaker Series. We did a panel on adoptees and parenting And it was really, really incredible. We were so grateful to be connected with Jenna and we're really struck by her experiences and perspectives in parenthood. And we feel very lucky to have you today here on the pod and we hope you all enjoy. So welcome Jenna and thank you so much for sharing this space with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to kick off our episode today with our usual first question for all of our participants and That is, what are the top two parenting themes that you are meditating on these days? I loved this question. It got my juices flowing (laughs) in just a different way, right? And really putting that in the forefront was just a really good, really good reflection for me. So thank you Mm. for that question. I just, yeah, yeah, I really loved it. So the first kind of theme that I have been meditating on is self-love and really Mm. being gentle with myself on a Mm day-to-day with three kids. And we actually just got a puppy in August. (gasps) It's chaos and homeschooling, right? And all of the activities and all the things. And it's, it's so much. And there's an automatic kind of motions that happen and taking time to pause and slow down. I think as adoptees, it often can be really challenging to identify our triggers as parents. Mm. I feel like growing up, there was a big part of me that was kind of disassociated. So memory recall is really challenging. Mm. You know, when you read all the parenting books and listen to all the, in quotes, experts, they're like, well, identify the triggers and start there. and. I feel like that's really hard advice for for adoptees Hmm. because often there's so much of ourselves that we don't know as kids. Mm -hmm. I grew Mm -hmm. up very racially isolated. My older brother is from Peru and is also adopted. Mm -hmm. And my younger brother is biological to my adoptive parents. And in Connecticut, right, it's very, very white. So... I just, yeah, there was a lot of trying to blend, Mm -hmm. you know, not intentionally connecting with self in a very grounded way. 
all my memories from from a childhood are very spotty and feel very flighty. And so as an adult, really trying to, you know, pull and figure out these triggers of in my day to day, where is this coming from? Why am I reacting this way? Yeah, is has has been some work. Mm-hmm. Um and really leaning into repair. Mm. Repair is everything. Mm. Yes, because, it is. Right? Because we are human and we have triggers and we are going to just react sometimes. And so, yeah, leaning into repair and being gentle with myself around all of these explorations of self and identifying these things. Mm. I'm really trying to hold myself with that right now. Something I think we talked about a little bit in the We the Experts was the base of my knowledge really came from the synergetic play therapy. Mm -hmm. And that was, let's see, like 2014. I had it was just as I had gotten pregnant with my first. If you haven't heard of synergetic play therapy, I definitely urge you to check it out. It is a, the framework is based on um, interpersonal neurobiology, which is brain science, nervous system regulation, um, attachment and attunement, mindfulness, authenticity, and like a little bit of physics, which is really cool because I never thought I'd be a science person. And now I'm like, neurobiology, physics, <laughs> <laughs> right and learning about my internal systems right Mm -hmm. the nervous system regulation and all of that and brain development has been the biggest impact on first my my own self right being able to kind of come out of the fog Mm -hmm. in an intentional way while having children (laughs) Mm. <laughs> which I like upon reflection, I'm like, Oh my gosh, wow. That, wow. And I'm still in it. Right. But really reflecting on the, those first few years, it was so much, but having that nervous system regulation understanding, I could finally manage everything mm. that was coming up mm. as opposed to in the, in, you know, the beginning part of my life, save zero to 31, <laughs> Anytime adoption related stuff would come up or, and even when I met my family, when I was 23, I flooded Mm. so much and so Mm. often that I had to separate, didn't have the skills. I didn't have the tools to, Mm. to go there with any of it. And so I didn't, Mm. and I stepped right back into the fog happily (laughs) Mm. because I was like, I can't. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful for that knowledge base now. And you know, for anybody who is struggling with the flooding and staying connected and grounded within yourself, attaching to yourself, Mm. those nervous system regulation skills and understanding brain development and right brain and left brain and Mm -hmm. top to bottom development and bottom and bottom to top development Mm. and all those little differences. I do feel like nervous system regulation knowledge is a superpower. Mm. It is a superpower. It can hold you and get you through some really dark times. Mm-hmm. Mm. And intertwined in all of that is the race and identity stuff, right? As adoptees, transracial adoptees growing up in white spaces, 
and many of us coming out of the fog later in life. Your typical identity formation is in high school, and many of us have our identity crisis. (laughs) For me, it was a crisis, you know, in my early to mid 30s. And and navigating through all of that. And thankfully, right, using all of those, the tools from my base knowledge to be able to help with with that as well. Mm. And the race and identity stuff, I think, is so important for ourselves to reclaim and embody. And then if we have children, they're second generation adoptees and helping them understand what their culture is and what their identities are. And doing that in tandem can feel very overwhelming because you feel like, how can I teach this if I don't know it myself? Mm. And I think it's a really beautiful opportunity to learn with your children And be able to be transparent with them and say, I don't know either. Let's do this together. Mm. Let's try this food together. I haven't done it either. And, you know, when emotions come up in that process, because for me, especially when I started cooking any Colombian food, it was so emotional. And if I didn't get it right, I had a really hard time with that. And being able to connect with my kids around that. It's Mm. hard to try new things. You know, they're Mm. little. They still don't understand the depth of, you know, everything. But it's hard to try new things. It's hard to do new things. And what do we do then? And how can we move through this discomfort? Mm. So many learning opportunities and growth opportunities to Mm -hmm. model and, you know, use as connection moments Mm -hmm. with your kiddos. Mm. So many nuggets there. Yeah. I'm just like, <laughs> oh my goodness, you are meditating on a lot of different things. So many things. But I mean, I think so mm-hmm. clearly hearing uh, the self-love and I just, that is such a gentle reminder to all of us to just pause, you know, and really just thinking of all the ways that you've been able to do that and, and you're finding that intentional time amongst three kids, a new puppy, homeschooling, thinking about your own intersections of identity, coming in and out of the... I mean, there's so much going on there. So much. But also just that importance of the pause. I'm really also loving that reminder about repair. You know, we always in, in relationships have rupture, repair, rupture, repair. And I know we talk about that a lot so much in therapy that it's really about the repair work where the, the yes. magic happens. So yes. I just think that that is such an important reminder for all of us, parenting or not, but also just to remember that in the work that we're doing internally and then in our relationships. I remember hearing in school, you know, when I was first learning about rupture and repair. And a teacher said to me once, we're in rupture 70% of the time Mm. and we're in connection and attunement 30% of the time. And so you think about what that looks like in reality, right? In the day to day. And I think that little tidbit of information has given me so much more peace and understanding around the disconnect, right? around mm. the rupture mm-hmm. and being able to to lean into the rupture and say okay this is this is normal this is part of relationship 
and and sharing that with the kids too and saying, mm-hmm. hey, you know, it's okay that we're having a tough day and we're fighting a lot. Mm-hmm. This is part of being in relationship. Mm-hmm. And so now what are our tools and what mm-hmm. can we do to mm-hmm. get ourselves back in connection with each other and with ourselves? Mm. But that repair is, you know, we said it earlier, it's everything being able to go and say, hey, I'm really sorry. I'm really mm-hmm. sorry I yelled. You never mm-hmm. deserve to get yelled at. That's mommy's stuff. And that's mm-hmm. something that mommy's working on. And and what can we do to reconnect? Do you want to read a story? Do you want to sing a song? Right. Whatever it is. Because mm-hmm. we are perfectly imperfect. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I, I think as adoptees, we don't have the opportunity, many of us, to repair with our birth families. Yes. And so we are in yeah. infinite or continuous rupture. Yes. Um, without having the ability to come full circle into that repair work that I think so many of us desperately want. And mm-hmm. I would imagine on both sides, birth families as well, would like to close that cycle yes. in whatever way possible. And then also what you touched on with the race and identity piece, there is a part of us as, a, as transracial adoptees that is in continuous rupture with our white family members if race has not been addressed, racism, prejudice, all the things in our relationship directly one-on-one in society, in the community, at school, all of these things. So, you know, again, we're denied this, this, you know, the continuum is in stagnation. It isn't in flow. Mm. You know, we can't come all the way around in the cycle to repair unless we address you know, these race identity things head on with our bio or with our adoptive families. But for many of us, that's impossible. And I would venture to say almost all of us, if not all of us. And so just kind of seeing this larger picture that we're in as well, it it really denies us opportunities to practice these tools. Yes. I think so finding other ways to get the tools, you know, takes a lot of extra work. It does. I am so curious about kind of how you're going about working on your own race and identity development alongside your children. And, you know, if you'd like to maybe describe a part of the crisis that you mentioned and how that showed up for you and your family now, Mm -hmm. and maybe also with your adoptive family Mm -hmm. and kind of where that trajectory is taking you as you raise your children and they get older as mixed race people. Yes. When I got pregnant, it that's kind of what started the mm. the, the trajectory hurtling me forward <laughs> is what it felt like, right? And that was just before the 2016 elections and that was a really big moment too of the world starting to really speak up and say things and and so it, it all kind of happened in a few year period of me really, yeah, stepping out of the fog fully and embracing my whole identity. Mm. Yeah, it was because my partner and I have been together since we were 19. <laughs> so a long history, yeah. He, a long history and he and a lot of therapy <laughs> together yeah. and apart. So I'm thankful that he's always been open to that because I'm a different person now than I was 
even five years ago, right? Or six Mm -hmm. years ago or whatever. But that first, those first few years were very challenging. Alongside having your first child, which was so beautiful and so amazing. So it it felt like a roller coaster of these really beautiful, joyous moments. Then, you know, the tangled, crazy web of beginning parenthood, which is trying to figure out and hold on for dear life. <laughs> and then the chaos that was that was thrown my way with coming out of the fog. So my first instinct was connection. I was like, I need community. I can't do this by myself. And up until then, I didn't have a big adoptee community at all. That was the first thing that I did. Um, And I actually, one of the first things I did was I found Ostrid Castro online. I found her website and I was like, she's a Colombian adoptee. I was like, oh my gosh. So, and she at that time was doing consulting, which I think she still does. Mm -hmm. But so I called her and I was like, I need to schedule some sessions with you. Like I'm falling apart and I have a baby and I just, I need help. I need support. I can't, I can't navigate this. I have no idea what's happening Mm -hmm. right now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And she swooped in and helped me process so much and, I was on Facebook at that point too. So I joined all of the Colombian adoptee and just general adoptee groups and just kind of immersed myself in all of it. And that was really life-saving for sure. And mm. really helped me stay with, <laughs> there was definitely bobbing that was happening with my head going above and then going back down. And, you know, there was <laughs> certainly a, a, a bobbing that was happening, but I stayed afloat. I stayed afloat. I think that's when the empowerment really started coming out. And I was Mm. like, okay, I can do this. I'm in community. I, I like the way this honesty and truth and realness feels. Mm. (laughs) This is me. This is my authentic self. Having just gone through my schooling of authenticity and, you know, how important and every kid who comes into the therapy room can read that without even any words being spoken, Mm. whether you're being authentic or not. Mm -hmm. Now having this opportunity to fully realize what authenticity even means, I thought I knew in, you know, my twenties in school and mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't. And, mm-hmm. um, and so that felt really good. Mm-hmm. A warm hug mm-hmm. of realness. Mm. Wow. And then there was the sticky stuff of figuring out how to navigate this now with my adoptive family. Yeah. And during the elections, there was a lot of splits that happened, my adoptive father is now hit the last election. He voted Democrat, which I cannot even believe those words are coming out of my mouth. I honestly thought that we might not have a relationship. It like right around 2016, 2017, I was like faced with that hard reality of maybe that we're not going to be in relationship anymore. Mm. 
So fortunately, (laughs) he was able to come to an understanding of what it means to have BIPOC children, Mm. queer children, children with disabilities, because between the three siblings that I have, we span the gamut of all of those things. Mm. Mm -hmm. And there are some family members that I'm no longer in relationship with that Mm. I was like, you know, this is not healthy for me. It's not healthy for my kids to be in relationship with people who have such different core beliefs than we do. Mm. So we had to make some some tough choices, but uh, ultimately I'm very solid, right, in, in those choices that I made, mm. as challenging as they are. It was uh, quite the roller coaster ride and still mm. continues to be, though now as I'm feeling more of my footing in my own identity, it's much easier to, to ride the roller coaster. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you're speaking so much to, I'm hearing a lot of around kind of some choices that, you know, for you are also both liberating and also hard or having to set limits, you know, yeah. with extended family members, with family yes. members, as you've really stepped into your power, your authenticity, feeling really emp- empowered in many ways. and. But also, you know, I'm wondering now as we maybe kind of fast forward to really other choices now as a parent that you're making and really how, especially being a person of color and really having gone through some different traditional learning environments that were also difficult or just really were a challenge at a young age for you growing up in your environment. Mm -hmm how that has impacted some of your decisions as a parent, as an educator, mm-hmm. you know, really the ways in which you are also trying to equip and empower your children. Mm-hmm. And maybe just for those that aren't as familiar with de-schooling or unschooling, the concepts around that, maybe mm-hmm. just help um, share a little bit more about what that means to you or how that is showing up in your family. Yes. It segues really nicely into the second parenting theme that I had put in my notes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which was kind of leaning into moving against the grain. And mm-hmm. it's such a juxtaposition to being in the fog. Mm. And for me, I was that fawn response kid of everything's fine. I don't argue. I don't, you know, I'm very agreeable. I was such a, a in quotes, good kid. Mm. According to my adopted parents, I never, you know, there was no trouble. I was always like, yes, you know, making things easy. And now, like you said, kind of going through all of this and mm-hmm. coming into my own racial identity and making some of these different choices for my family that have moved me into, yeah, just really leaning into going against the grain. Mm. We are what I would call eclectic homeschoolers. There's traditional homeschooling, which is basically school at home. We are more, I would say, eclectic, which means that we I use some curriculum. I'll use parts of some curriculum. We embrace unschooling, which if you don't know, unschooling is just learning by living. There is no pen and paper, intentional pen and paper workbook time or curriculums used. It's literally just 
living experiences, going on trips and going to the museum and, you know, doing projects and Mm. just living. So we kind of do a blend of all of that. And then the de-schooling piece is definitely for me. My kids never went to a traditional school. So fortunately, they they don't have to be de-schooled, but I do. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, through my master's program, right, I have been schooling. So getting out of the the programming that we experience, beginning the first time our bodies are in a chair in a typical schooling program, you begin to be taught that learning has to look a very specific way. I'm fighting so much programming on a day-to-day basis. And it's typically me that gets in my own way of the approach that I would like because of the desire to control that Mm -hmm. comes from my typical schooling programming. And the, the love of learning that was extinguished in my learning experience growing up mm-hmm. happened very early. And I didn't think I was smart. Mm. I couldn't learn. You know, I was tested for learning disabilities several times around middle school and early high school. And then when I got to my master's program, I realized wow, I am really smart. If it's something that I love, mm-hmm. if it's something that I don't really care about, then I, then I, my brain doesn't get there. And so that piece of things is what I'm trying to bring into our homeschool is I'm not trying to force you to learn anything. Obviously we need the basics, right? Basic math and reading and that kind of thing. But once we kind of get through those basics, you have a freedom to learn what you want to learn the way that you want to learn it. For my daughter, that means math upside down on the couch, <laughs> mm-hmm. which for me, fighting the programming of like, sit up, turn around, you know, put the book in your lap. And I'm like, Jenna, no, it's okay. It, it can look like this and be mm. okay. And it's my own work to kind of relinquish that control mm. and mm-hmm. trust that mm. she knows what is good for her. She turning upside down is her way of regulating mm. so mm. that she can get herself to where she needs to be to move through this math lesson. So yeah, it's, it's a very interesting kind of process, tandem process for both of us. And I know when we just, when we talked last time, we touched a little bit on that autonomy versus independence piece. Mm-hmm. Every day, all day, I find myself going kind of bouncing like a ping pong ball back and forth, knowing that my heart wants for them autonomy, freedom of choice. And my schooled mind the mind that I was raised with, the parenting that I received has programmed in me this need for control and the stressing the independence piece, which is, it comes from me. Mm. And so kind of trying to let go Mm. on a day-to-day basis, many, and I, I even have like set in, I get four reminders throughout the day on my phone to remind me <laughs> to let go mm. and to slow down mm. because that programming is so deep and so ingrained 
that it's daily work and reminders many times a day for me to take a step back. And often I have to be like, kids, I'm sorry. I responded to you from a place inside me that I'm trying to redo and relearn. So can we, oh, you don't want to wear jackets outside. Okay. I'm not going to force you. Go outside. See how it feels to not wear a jacket. And if you still don't want a jacket, that's your choice. I don't need you to be just doing that to be compliant to me. So even as little thing, something as small as that, right? Mm-hmm. And letting mm-hmm. it be their autonomous choice of what they wear outside in whatever weather it is. <laughs> but yes, it's a daily and many times a day reminder for myself to really be that parent that I want to be mm-hmm. and walk the walk that I talk. Because mm-hmm. I can talk about it mm-hmm. <laughs> and teach yeah. other people about it. But actually embodying what I'm saying yeah. is mm-hmm. a whole different beast. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. That's the work. I feel like I hear a lot from parents about teaching kids like through quote unquote natural consequences, mm-hmm. you know, but I feel like what you're doing is taking that to an, a very much more elevated level. Mm-hmm. And I do think the natural consequences always sort of is biased towards the negative, but I do feel like there's so many like consequences doesn't necessarily mean bad, you I know, see. There's also a natural consequence if you are supported to pursue something that is of interest to you. There's a natural consequence of potentially being way happier, mm, you right. know, or more right. motivated to learn more. Or then maybe you're in a place where you feel more expansive and that you can try other new things. Um, there's so many parts of the unschooling philosophy that I think speaks to me personally as a parent and to many people. For so many people, myself included, I'll say, is that putting that into practice 24-7 definitely is a challenge. And so I give you a lot of respect for doing that work around the clock with three kids and a puppy. Yes. (laughs) You know, um, and just curious too, like just hearing from you that there's so many intersections with reclaiming your identity, reclaiming your authenticity creating new boundaries for yourself, putting more of a loving but boundaried space around your fawn response, you know, coming out of the fog and just doing it on all these different levels. And then for you, maybe the natural consequences are that you, your relationships are changing all around you Mm -hmm. in terms of your extended family, your adoptive parents, your kids getting a stronger hold and and footing and community around you of empowered adoptees. Yes. And just goes all the way back to that first, right. Of being gentle with myself right now through all of this, because there are some days that are hard and I go right back to that original programming and I'm not that cool, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and it's getting to the end of the day and being like, it's okay you know, it's a work in progress and it's okay to have a hard day. And tomorrow is a new day and naming it with my kids. Hmm. 
Yeah. All the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Naming everything. Mm-hmm. Right. And just because we've expanded our range doesn't erase the base of that range, right? right. It's still very right. much part of the spectrum. Yes. And mm-hmm. great two steps back, one step forward, three steps back, two steps forward, mm-hmm. right? It's just, it's a dance. It's a constant dance. Mm-hmm. So I think the most empathy that I can have for myself the more joy I can find on a day-to-day basis. Mm. I remember when we talked last that um, you had discussed kind of your desire to create a course for adoptee parents. Yeah. yeah. To create community and also engagement for adoptee parents or, or adoptees considering parenthood as yes. well. Just, yes. And just wondering if you would share more about what that would look like and just more about your vision. Yes. It's definitely something that I'm going to do. (laughs) I'm like, once my two-year-old is going to, we do like a preschool program for, we've done it for all the other two. And so he's going to start that next year. And I'm like, yay, free, free time to do something for myself. (laughs) But yes, I think it is really going to be sharing that kind of baseline information that I pull from Mm -hmm. the nervous system regulation piece, understanding, you know, brain development in ourselves and with our children so that when we are triggered, we can, we can manage it, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. I think sometimes back to before I had those skills and the emotions that would in waves crash over me felt so big. Mm. And I feel like now with these tools, I can feel bigger than the emotion that is being thrown at me. Mm. I know that I can manage it. And, and I want to share that. I really want to share that with people. I think I would go into more about mindfulness and authenticity, how those things are so important to really intentionally think about and process through for ourselves so that we can, yeah, just really be able to take things as they come Mm -hmm. and not feel like we're just getting totally rolled over by it. So yes, sharing all of the tools that I have, Mm -hmm. I would love to equip people who haven't been able to find that stuff. Because if I hadn't gotten it from this program, pulling in all of these things, I think, I don't know if I ever would have gotten there, you know? And so I want to share it with everyone because it's really been a saving grace for me. Yeah. Well, sign us up. We will be uh, anxiously (laughs) awaiting or happily awaiting that. But, uh, you know, again, that's just such a, I I think speaks to you really moving into your authentic superpowers and and ways in which the nervous system, absolutely, it unlocks so much for us to be able to show up for ourselves and our children. And just to have something like that for adoptee parents specifically, or for those that are considering or thinking about it, like myself, really thinking of how beneficial that would be mm-hmm. to really start, like you said, with the baseline or have some foundations or things to really help scaffold the journey into parenthood. Yeah. Because it can be really 
like you said, a big wave, um, but really knowing that you can really stand firm and be powerful, you know, amongst all of that over those big emotions that come. That's really, yeah, a beautiful image. Um, So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. With kids or without kids, right? Being able to manage being in relationship, being in multiple relationships is hard. Mm -hmm. It's hard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And for us adoptees with it being in relationship, period, there's so many things that come up that yeah, having having some skills to manage is is so important. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm like adoption okay. agencies need to be like equipping all of these parents and doing this very differently. Mm. But that's a whole different podcast. So mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep, I know. Well, wondering about. You know, if there's anything else that really, I know we've talked about and been interweaving so many of your two themes that you brought in, you know, one being self-love, being gentle with yourself, taking those moments of pause, and then two, moving into uh, going against the grain. But anything else that, you know, for those that are tuning in that you really want to add to that about, you know, how you're, again, really embodying that. I think you covered so much, but just really want to make space for other areas that really feel um, alive for you? You know, so much of my focus is on all of these things and Mm. it can feel like so much. And I was like, well, what else am I doing (laughs) (laughs) besides parenting and homeschooling? And in order to instill a love of learning and do all of these things that I'm doing on a day-to-day I have to bring the focus back to myself again Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. really modeling what I want to see in them, Mm -hmm. right? I want to see them discovering new things and trying new things and learning new things. So, and you know, my, my five and eight year old are, are learning to read and I'm like, well, how, if they don't see me reading, then why would they ever believe that it was great and important and fun and the list goes on and on. So I've really been trying to make time throughout my weeks for myself to, I'm learning to play the piano, Mm. which I did a little bit of when I was younger, but I'm like really excited about that because I just, I love music and I want to get back to where I was when I was like 12 playing. And I've started it with the kids. So we're kind of all Mm. doing that, but I take my own time to sit and practice. Mm-hmm. And I just started learning to knit. So I'm kind of moving through that process. And before I had kids, I'm not an, I wouldn't consider myself like an artist of the label of an artist, but I really love expressing myself with art. Mm-hmm. So even if it's just coloring, it doesn't make a difference. I just, mm-hmm. I love, I love it. So I've really been trying to find time to embody what I'm trying to teach Mm. my children, which Mm -hmm. is finding my own love of learning and really bringing that to the table. Mm. So that is a big focus right now for me. And there's been so many times where I'm like, well, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for myself. I just need to get all of these things done. I have this list, blah, 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 blah. Right. And in the last year or so, I'm like, Jenna, again, (laughs) Pause. Pause. That Slow pause. it down, girlfriend. 
and really tried to make the focus this slow, slow living, slow learning mm-hmm. lifestyle. Mm. I think people often ask, well, how do you homeschool? And I'm like, it's it's just part of our daily. It isn't like, okay, at nine o'clock we sit down and we do these things. It's just, there's a flow of, of the day of us mm. moving through it all. Mm-hmm. Part of that, that I'm really focusing now is making that time for myself. Mm. That's beautiful. You know, I mean, I think that there can't be enough said about modeling and doing that to the best of each of our abilities and embodying, yeah, kind of our values for our own pleasure, you know, and self-love, but also as it, the trickle effect of, or the ripple effect of what that means to be that and have your kids see that in you. Hmm. It's been such a pleasure talking today with you. And thank you so much. Yeah. I'm going to be meditating on your themes. Yeah. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Well, you have such a, like you just said, moving through the day with just a flow and and thank you for really letting us flow Mm -hmm. with you and hear so much about all of the the ways that you are inspiring your children, that you are being re-inspired, that you are moving through the day-to-day and taking those pauses. Um, I'm really going to hold that close to my heart and make sure I, I take those moments because it can, the days are long, but the years are short as they say. And I think Jaron just said that mm-hmm. on an episode too. And it just is a reminder of how yes. um, to just be so present in that moment. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for all of your wisdom, all of the, the ways in which you shared so much of yourself, your family, um, your heart with us. Um, We are holding that dearly Um, and we will make sure also to link folks to some of the really special things that you have mentioned to learn more about synergetic play therapy, IPMB, the nervous system, all of that really great stuff. But thank you for taking a pause with us today. And thank you both. Being here was such an honor and I just, your podcast itself is just, it's, so important and has uplifted so many people I've been loving listening. So I just am honored to be a part of it. So thank you. Thank you, Jenna. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into the labor of love podcast. Please like us, share us and follow us on Instagram at labor of love podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Spotify and leave us a review if you feel moved to do so. We also want to take a moment to shout out to our amazing donors. It has been so wonderful to feel the love and support of our growing community. We appreciate you. Much gratitude and thanks to Stephen, Joy, Violet, Marie, Angela, Shoop, and Annette. And if you would like to join these generous donors in supporting the pod, please donate on Venmo at Labor of Love Podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes.